<clears throat> Today's scripture reading comes to us from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you, that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or from where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our, our testimony. <clears throat> if I have told you ever, earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, <clears throat> that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of the Lord. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. This infamous or famous quote, depending upon your perspective, is attributed to one St. Francis of Assisi, the founder of the Franciscan order. I want you to keep it in the back of your mind. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words, because we're going to return to it a couple times over the course of this sermon. And so this is our last week in a uh, six-week series that we've done after Easter on evangelism, which is called BLESS, which is an acronym, looking at how Jesus did evangelism so that we can do it his way in order to be a healthy missional church and healthy missional Christians. Healthy meaning pursuing Christ, missional meaning pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. Because intentional evangelism isn't some optional add-on extra to the life of a healthy missional congregation. It is one of the vital markers of our spiritual health. And so the first week we looked at the three R's of how Jesus did mission, that he, he reached people where they were. This is with the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, that he, that he went to her in the heat of the day when she was at the well because Jesus reaches people right where they are in order to restore them to right relationship with God and other people. It's, it's the vertical and horizontal dimensions of salvation. And then what happens is that mission doesn't stop with that person, but it is then reproduced in their life. And, and so the mission of Jesus is carried forward in and through other people. And so we're all a part of that, that pattern of reach and restore and reproduce. 
That's the pattern of Jesus' mission, and that's the pattern that our mission takes. And so then we looked at, well, how do we do that? How do we engage in that? And, and these are captured by the five missional practices that we've been looking at. First, the B, begin with prayer. And then the L, listen, listen with care. Then the E, eat together. And then the uh, first S, serve, serve with love. And today we get to the last S, the end of our acronym, share your story. And to be honest, you know, we save the hardest one for last. Because my guess is that 99% of us would be totally on board if you spelled bless, B-L-E-S. Right? Like, no problem there at all. Because it's the last S that sort of trips us up or it freaks us out. Because this is where we're supposed to talk about one of the two things you are never supposed to talk about in polite company. Okay, politics and then religion, right? Like, don't go there. And so how do we do that well? Without being an absolute freak. So remember that quote from St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. And that quote is very attractive. Because it sounds like, you know, we can, we can just make sure we do B-L-E-S. And this last S, share your story. We only need to deploy it if necessary. So it lets us off the hook. Because we know, of course, that we will live our lives in such a compelling and Christ-like fashion that people will know just from looking at us what the gospel is. Right? Our, our, our lives will be a living living demonstration no explanation necessary that's what we like to tell ourselves at least and please don't get it twisted i'm not saying that how you live your life doesn't matter that's obviously not true how you live your life matters so importantly and that's why this is the last s because the b l e s those things are vital if we are going to do mission like jesus we've got to get those straight but you've got to walk the talk, right? That's important. But walking the talk presumes that there actually is something to talk about. So there's actually another version of this quote from St. Francis that I think is a little better. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary. Use words. Just one difference in wording, but it makes a ton of difference. It says not if necessary, but when necessary. Words are necessary. They matter. And wisdom is knowing when and how to share your story. But it's not just sharing your story. It's how our story shares this story, which is in our passage this morning. And this story comes from one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, and it contains the most famous verse in the entire Bible. John 3.16. The gospel in its briefest expression. This is the story that Jesus tells Nicodemus, that Jesus tells us and that we tell others. The story of God's love climaxing in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ that opens the way to eternal life for everyone who believes in him. Right? That's the story that we've got to tell, and it's the greatest story ever told. Bar none. But let's look at the passage and see how it all went down. 
So in John chapter 3, immediately before this, uh, in John's gospel, Jesus, very early in the gospel, cleanses the temple, drives out the money changers. And Jesus says, you know, destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it again in three days. Referring, of course, to his death and resurrection. And so this has created quite a stir already. Several people are like, who is this? And, and they've come to faith in Jesus. And, and, and apparently, uh, this Pharisee named Nicodemus, if he isn't a believer, he's right on the cusp right at this moment. And we usually think of the Pharisees, okay, they're the bad guys, the foils, Jesus' enemies in the gospel. But there's quite a few of them who actually follow him. Including Nicodemus, who at the end of John's gospel will be one of the people who prepares Jesus' body for burial. And so Nicodemus, he comes at night, which kind of is an indicator that he doesn't necessarily want to be seen or associated with Jesus yet. It'd be dangerous for him if his fellow Pharisees saw that he was interested in Jesus, but he still comes nonetheless. And it shows that he's curious, he's interested, he's, he's seeking. He's open, he wants to know more. He's receptive to hearing the story that Jesus has to share. But it's more complicated than that because there's a part of him that is still resistant, is still going to be resistant to what Jesus has to say because he still doesn't understand something crucial. And this whole business, if you read through John's gospel, one of the things you'll notice is the conversations that Jesus has have with people often leave them confused. And us, as the readers, we are often confused. So it starts with someone sort of making a statement to Jesus, and Jesus says something confusing. And then they respond to what they think Jesus says, and then Jesus says something even more confusing than that. And then he finally gives an explanation that's supposed to bring some clarity. This is, I think, captured best by, in John 13 and 14, Jesus is like, I'm going away, I'm going to the Father. And they're like, where are you going? And he's like, there's many rooms in a mansion. And then finally it's like, what, what, what? And Jesus goes, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father through me. Okay. Sort of a long lead up to that punchline. And this lifting a snake, what, you know, what is Jesus talking about? But we have to keep in mind that, that what Jesus is trying to unpack and explain to Nicodemus here is, is this question of you know, this whole business of you won't be able to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again or born from above. It means sort of both things at the same time. It's confusing. But the crucial issue that Jesus is getting at is this question of how does one belong to the family of God? How is one a part of this family that inherits this wonderful kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming and embodying and enacting with all of these wonderful signs that he's doing? How does one get in the family and stay in the family? That's, that's the crucial question that Jesus is addressing here. And it's an essential question to this day. And so for Pharisees like Nicodemus, the answer to this question is how does one get into the family? Well... Be a child of Abraham, your Jewish ethnic heritage that you're born into the family. You're born in, you're circumcised, you're good. And the way, ta- way you maintain your good standing in the family is by obeying the law scrupulously. But Jesus' message and his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection, all point to a different way of belonging to the family. One that has not to do with the accident of one's birth but of belief. Belief in Jesus, trust in him. And so Jesus has this this radical message that belonging to God's family isn't based on ethnicity or primarily on religious observance. It's all about trusting in who he is and what he has done for you. It's about saying, I belong to him, and because I do, I'm a part of this family, and therefore I'm a part of this family business of the kingdom as well. 
And so that's what Jesus is getting at with all of this talk of being born again and born from above. You, you join the family not through your first birth, your natural birth, but your second birth, your supernatural birth, as it were. And so Jesus is saying that's the real story that we've got to tell. And that's the story that he tells in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Right? That's the story we've got to share. That's the good news that we've got to share, because it's the story that changes everything. It's a story not about us finding our way to God, but God finding his way to us, and how that shapes everything about our lives. So every testimony, every story of conversion, every faith journey is just another way of telling this story that begins with the words, for God so loved the world. And so we go back to that St. Francis quote, preach the gospel at all times. Well, what's the gospel? John three sixteen. And when necessary, use words, words that explain how this story has changed your story. What you believe in your heart of hearts, how you spend your time, what you do with your money, how you give of your time, where you're pouring your gifts, they all relate back in some way or another to this story, for God so loved the world. But there's no getting around the fact, okay, that sharing your own story is scary. One reason it can be scary is because you go, well, okay, how is my life different? It's not. It can be scary to be confronted with that fact. And if it hasn't made any difference in your life, it's a good time to hear that story again for the first time. Or it can be scary because it's just like, how would I even go about doing that? I'm not practiced. I don't know how to do it. One of the things we did with the latest crop of new members, all 21 of them who joined a few weeks ago, was uh, that they were given an application. For membership, And on the front side is just, you know, basic biographical information. But on the back side, there was this large blank space to answer, you know, this multi-part question. And it said, please provide a brief summary of your faith journey slash testimony. How did you come to a place of Christian faith? What has discipleship meant to you? What is God doing in your life? And what are you look, looking forward to him doing in the future? Just a way to get people to try to... Tell this story of, for God so loved the world. Okay, you believe that. How did you come to believe that? What's changed? What's different in your life because of that? And and let me tell you that some of the answers that came back were beautiful. People were real. They were honest. And more than anything, though, there was this overwhelming, this overflowing sense of gratitude for what God had done. And so when we think about how to share our story, there's a really simple formula we can follow. In fact, every single story that you ever tell shares the same formula, the same structure. It's not a script. It's just the skeleton, an outline of of how to tell a story. You have a before, a during, and an after. Every story has three acts. I am a subscriber to the monthly publication, Christianity Today. And every single issue has one thing that's always the same. 
the back page, the back matter, is always a testimony. Always someone sharing their story of how they came to faith in Christ. It is always someone giving their own before, during, and after. And the stories are oftentimes uh, spectacular. Just some of that, I'm just going to give you some of the headlines and subheadlines from ones I just picked from like the last few issues that I had sitting around uh, in my office. Uh, Nicole Cliff, how God messed up my happy atheist life. I had no untapped, unanswered yearnings. All was well in the state of Denmark, and then it wasn't. This is a good one. I went from fighting in a cage to living in a hut. How an MMA fighter found Jesus and discovered his calling in the Congo. A critical care surgeon meets the great physician. I felt distant from God until I witnessed a medical miracle. How God rescued me from the Mormon Charles Manson. My earthly father wrecked my life. Now my heavenly father is rebuilding it. A local preacher and a jailhouse Jesus freak brought me to faith in prison. I was sentenced to life for a murder I didn't commit, but God didn't forget me. And the last one, why I forgave the man I once plotted to kill. Revenge fantasies were darkening my heart before I trusted in Jesus. Right, And these are probably my favorite part of every issue. And I can't relate to many of the most extreme circumstances, right? I've never seriously plotted to kill anyone in my life. But they're all beautiful examples of how to share your story before, during, and after. And not everyone, even in Christianity today, is so extreme. Some are just relatively normal, but they're always from interesting and unlikely people. I have a couple examples, a few copies of, of a couple examples on the info table after uh, service if you're interested. But here's how the structure goes. Before, there was something missing from my life. And so the question is, what was missing from yours or incomplete or unexplained? What loose ends were out there? During, how did God meet you? Where, when, and how? And then after, what difference has it made? And so this gives us just a helpful structure for reflecting on our own story and for sharing it with others. Because they're just another way of sharing that story of how God so loved the world. Right? God so loved Amy. God so loved Forrest. God so loved Anna. God so loved Paul that he sent his only son. And here's what they have to say about it. All right, one last time, back to that St. Francis quote. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Okay, words are necessary. The gospel is a story, and you can't tell a story without words. It'd be like saying, feed the hungry. If necessary, use food. Or teach people math. If necessary, use numbers. You can't share your story without ever telling a story. And here's the real rub about that that quote. St. Francis never, ever said it. It's apocryphal. And the great irony in all of it is that St. Francis, if he was known for anything in his day, it was for being a fiery preacher. He founded a religious order from nothing because of the power of his preaching. He famously would preach to the animals when he was in a forest. And he even went and preached in Egypt to the sultan because he thought, if I can just convert him, uh, the crusades will be over. So St. Francis was a preacher's 
preacher. So here's a saying that, a version of the saying that I found that I like better. Preach the gospel. Use actions when necessary. Use words always. Because as Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, he says, But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? And so how can people believe in this story of God so loving the world if they've never heard it? And who are they going to hear it from? If not from you. And this is the end of this series. But it's just the beginning of our efforts to do mission like Jesus, to reach the lost, to restore what's been broken, and reproduce the life-giving mission of God in ourselves and others. So we begin always with prayer. We listen with care way before we speak. We eat and we build relationships of trust. We serve people as people, not categories or statistics, with love. And we share the story of God's amazing grace that saved wretches like you and me. And we do it over and over and over again. Because when we do, we take steps towards Jesus together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me.